Hi guys, welcome to another episode. Wow, the energy. Yeah, let's bring it. <laughs> yeah, so it's our very last episode of the season. Yes. And for, for those that, of you that follow the release date very closely, don't watch it too closely. I know sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you might be wondering, when is this next episode coming out? Listen, life is life in. The struggle's real. <laughs> yeah. We just have to make it work somehow, you know? But mm-hmm. yeah, how have you been anyway? Yeah, like I said, life has been life in, you know, for those in the UK, it's the financial year end. Oh, yeah. And so at work, things are really busy. Things are intense. People are stressed. So it's all of that, mm. you know, culminating. So I'll be looking forward to Easter. Oh, gosh. A break, you know, reset. Re re <laughs> regeneration. What's it even like? about re- resurrection, resurrection? Coming back, hey, come coming on, back. Come Don't let me start preaching. It's okay. Doctrine, <laughs> theology. <laughs> it feels like your new year is starting at the end of the financial year. Like... Well, you know, it's always interesting. Like, I'm really grateful for like new months, new seasons. Mm. Because it is a chance, actually, to, like, reset. Yeah. And, you know, March, April, that's a time of, like, where there's a pause anyway. Yeah. Where you can, like, reset. And because my birthday is in September, so this is a, around my halfway right. point in my in my year. In your birthday year. In my yeah. birthday year. So it's always, like, a, okay, let me take a pause, reflect, you know, reset. So. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Nice. Yeah, what about you? Well, nothing much really. I'm just glad I'm finally getting to the end of the Harry... I was going to say Harry Potter. No. <laughs> <laughs> of the Prince Harry. Oh, I was really wondering where you were going. <laughs> when I said Harry, Potter was the next thing that was going to come out of my mouth. No, Prince Harry's book, Spare. I've been trying to do a lot more reading this year, which I haven't done really too well. Because I tend to read I tend to read multiple books at the same time. So mm. I've been reading three books together. And then Spare is a bit of a bedtime reading for me. Like, oh, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Okay. So I've been reading this since January. <laughs> and I'm just like, when is this going to come to an end? It's not an indication of like how interesting the book is it's just a case of that's the time i can afford to read it but it's been really really good um it's been a really good read and i think for me as someone who's really interested in history and obviously the whole like saga around them and the controversy around you know the book should they have written it the things that he wrote in there mm. the way the media responded, um, responded to, it. to it and then actually reading it for myself and being able to come to my own conclusion about mm. about him and his story and feeling sympathy for him and just having my own interpretation of it and i think some people have question like should he have written a book and i think for me as someone who like having a history podcast and been interested in history i think he definitely should have written that book because everybody has written something about him Mm. and they're making money out of writing about him and they write it from their own perspective and what they think but i think having the subject himself saying what his own story is and laying out the facts and whatever the embellishments might have been. But I think it removes any sort of mark in the future. Like, you know, with The Crown, I don't know if you watch, like, the TV show The yeah, Crown. Yeah, And some, some of them are, like, fictions. So, like, they've obviously had to 
put some this facts and this fictions on the whole thing but i think there's going to be aspects of harry's life that is not going to be left to people's imagination in the future because he has actually written mm. about it and i think that is really important for history listen you've literally just said that the crown basically has you know primary source material literally for them to continue the season, the season. What, yeah season eight now <laughs> That's, that's what spare is that's what spare is you know they don't have to make it up they don't have to rack their brains about what is what they literally have it but i think it's such a good book and i'm really glad he wrote it and what i also find is how people is how people don't realize how much they're influenced by the media in their reaction towards prince harry okay so i post so like Every now and again, when I would read, like, a We are going to get to the Nigerian I know, elections. sorry, guys, <laughs> we're getting there. But anyway, so, every now and again, when I would read, like, something interesting, I would post, like, a snippet on my WhatsApp. And a few of my friends would, like, have a message me and be like, oh, you know, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And then we'd have a little chat about it. But then recently, I read the part where Prince Harry talks about how he shopped at TK Maxx, mm-hmm. just basically indicating the fact that he's not, like, he's wealthy. Like, you know, he gets clothing allowance from his dad, but that is just for formal clothing. And then for his, like, casual, like, he's never been into fashion and all this stuff, and he goes shopping in TK Maxx. And one of my friends basically kind of, like, responded almost saying, mm, I don't believe that. And I'm like, well, why don't you believe it? He wrote it in his book. Like, do you think he's going to be stupid enough to to tell a lie? I mean, not to say you can't lie, but I'm just thinking, why? Mm. About something so... About something so, like... Ordinary. Ordinary, right? So, like, it's it's unimportant. Yeah. Mm. And then I had to go on Google and find a picture (laughs) of Prince Harry, like, the Daily Mail. I posted a picture of him actually walking out of TK Maxx in 2013. And then I screenshot it and sent it to her. And she was like, oh, well... You know, there was still that kind of like she didn't want to accept it and I'm just like how many more people are like this where mm. it's like it doesn't matter what Prince Harry says whether it's true or not they're just not going to they're not going to be for him mm-hmm. and this is the interesting thing about history it's like it's playing out right in front of us and different people are always going to have their own interpretation of his life of everything that has happened and all that mm. stuff but I could go on and on about it, but that's just my own little interesting, I don't know, fact going on in my life at the moment. I'm almost at the end of the book. I'm now reading the part where it talks about when he met Megan and all that stuff and really interesting stuff. Mm, Okay. Yeah. But you see, this is why history is important. We need more Nigerians to be writing their own biography. (laughs) We need to know about... No, because I feel like there's just so much content in terms of the West... And in terms of creating, like, drama... And this is one of the reasons why we started this podcast in the first Mm. place. Like, having content... And I think social media is kind of, like, helping nowadays where people are putting their lives out there anyway, whether you like it or not, like, celebrities and people of importance. And I'm sure in the future it won't be too hard to find things about them if you wanted to write... Yeah, uh, but let's let's get on to Nigeria's own drama because it has plenty of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to the matter. <laughs> back to the matter. So it's been a few weeks since the election that was held on the twenty fifth of February, presidential election. At the time of recording, we're still waiting for the election for the governors. I know it was meant to happen on the eleventh. It was meant to happen on the eleventh, but due to. <laughs> 
some of the shenanigans that were going on during the election, they were postponed yeah. to accommodate that and, and deal with the, the issues at present. So now it's happening on the 18th of March. It's happening March. on the 18th of March. So that's that will be interesting to, to see how that plays out. But I suppose, you know, first thoughts, you know, during the election, like, how are you, how are you feeling when on, on the 25th of February? Listen. Like, just how you're feeling, not necessarily what your viewers or what happened, how but just I was in terms feeling. of your heart, your mind. Do you know, to be honest, the way I was feeling was informed, or should I say was impacted by the activities going on on my okay. WhatsApp, All right, okay. on my storylines, oh, yeah. on my social media. Mm-hmm. You know, just the anticipation for the day already, like... People were already like saying like, oh, go and find your polling units. There were people already saying like, oh, I can't find my polling units. They said it's here. They said it's there. But we, so it was already like people were anticipating issues, mm. and so that was feeding into my expectation, into my my anticipation as well of what's gonna happen on the day. And then on the day itself, even though I'm across the pond, I literally felt like I was in Nigeria because okay. there were people on my tap status who were like literally mentioning each moment in their polling unit where okay. they were documenting when the INEC officials arrived when they set up what was happening when you know even up to the counting like when they were counting the votes and things mm-hmm. like that so yeah and i guess that's the like advantage of social media depending on what channels you're tuned into where you can experience some of these things vicariously so yeah but I think on the day I was just kind of like, I was a bit like indifferent in a way because I'm just like, mm. oh, I don't know what's going, like we, I literally did not know what was going to happen mm-hmm. and I just did not want to get too emotional. <laughs> I don't want to get too emotional, but yeah. So yeah, I feel like I experienced it quite closely just because of like all my, all the people updating me on my storylines. Mm. But yeah, what about you? It's an interesting word that you use in terms of being indifferent. I don't think I, I think I might have been close to that, but I suppose I just kept on like refreshing like BBC, like World News, and seeing okay what's going on, turning the television on, you know, watching reporters on the day like at polling stations, just commenting on sort of the the atmosphere and some tensions are arising. And I think I went through a range of emotions of being nervous, deeply interested, concerned. Mm. And there was even a moment I was laughing because <laughs> because there was one BBC reporter, I can't remember where she was. I think it was in the North. It was, a, it was, a, it was a re- somewhere in the North, mm-hmm. town or city in the North, and boating had been completed there. At what time? We won't even get into that one about the voting. <laughs> but the voting had been completed. Right. And she was she was commenting on that, like, people have been here since early in the morning and now voting is closed. I think it closed quite early, around two. Oh wow. Two o'clock. But anyway, there's a lot there was a lot of chaos going on that day. Yeah. And people there was like a crowd behind her and they were all surrounding the polling unit because the INEC officials had started voting and I was just laughing because it's like everybody was like me we're going we're going to watch you we're going Counting to the vote. yeah we're going to watch <laughs> you count this vote and yeah. it was just it was like heartwarming funny yeah. a little sad but also good to see that um, commitment participation yeah. and accountability like a desire to hold people accountable like we're all watching mm-hmm. yeah you're not going to 
do anything but i saw i wonder like what the aftermath of that was like was it you know was was it peaceful did it get chaotic afterwards i imagine it was it must have been okay if she the reporter was standing there speaking and you know yeah telling the the viewers what was going on but yeah those were the range of emotions or experiences throughout the day and i think it was just one of like you said anticipation and hoping you know not wishful thinking but maybe Maybe, maybe this is the time. Maybe I'll be surprised. Do you know what? There were times, there were various times during that day where I kept thinking the kind of feedback I was receiving, it sounded like Peter Ubi was going to win that election. Because mm. it seemed like everybody on my timeline, what, 95% of people on my timeline, both like on all my social media platforms, were all the results were like in favor of Peter Obi mm. and, and to clarify yeah who is the president elect yeah so <laughs> at the time of this recording we now have a president elect in Nigeria yeah. and that is the person of drumroll <laughs> if he does not look interested at all I don't look interested at all because we predicted it is your man Bolatinibu who is yeah, the Bola- president yeah elect and of the apc party of the apc party yeah. so there was no surprises there actually mm. for us anyway because no. if you go back and listen to our previous episodes we talked about the fact that he was most likely going to win however we can then go into how he won and the mm-hmm. integrity of that winning actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah before we get into that yes yeah, so the election day itself. So apart from the anticipation and the feelings we had and stuff like that, what were some of the major highlights for you in terms of just observing the process and the aftermath of the election? I th- highlights usually has like connotations of like good things, but I don't think, I think I was, ju- I just had a very sober view. Mm. I don't necessarily think I had a highlight. I think there were disappointments. So, so you know having family members who were going to vote and then hearing stories that they couldn't Mm. vote because there were either delays to the opening of the polling station or in one particular case the queue was so long to vote that they i think they were like number one thousand oh wow you know thousand plus in a queue to to go and vote, they were they were an older person, and so they couldn't vote. They couldn't vote, and so when I heard that story, I thought, well, that is that's just. I'm sure from that alone, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There must be so many other types of instances where voters weren't able to because of the disorganisation yeah. that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So what you just said made me just made me think about the inclusivity of the whole process because that's what it sounds like in terms of when you have elderly people who have come out to vote and they are in the the number is 1000 1000 and something you know have they got chairs there for them to sit on you know is there like a canopy for them to wait under are there water is you know is there water all of these different conveniences to make it easy for people to actually come out and vote i think is part of the things the practical things mm-hmm. that are probably not well thought out. Well, when I raised that, uh, I was chatting with my mom, and then she she just made the really obvious point that you know there's issues of security. So in terms of the window 
for voting, I was really surprised at how short it was. My experience in the UK is that from 6am till 10pm, that's the window in which people can go to vote to ensure that everybody has the opportunity to cast their vote. But this window was like six hours. But then, even in that six hours, you have places where the INEC officials did not turn up on time. So mm. I had people, the people that I was following that were reporting at 9.30 a.m. that the INEC officials hadn't arrived mm-hmm. or even till 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock in some places. So if it was meant to finish by 4 p.m., for example, how are you going to account for the time that was lost and for other people who should have voted in that time? So that's that, what I think my yeah. issue is, is that the window is too... Yeah. The window is too short. Although I felt like they extended... There were certain places where I think they extended it to the next day. Yeah, they had no choice. They yeah. had to extend But, you see, that's the, the chaos where things start to slip through the net. Mistakes get made. And, but yeah, that's, that's the issue why there's... There was so much doubt, yeah. like cast on on the process. On the process, yeah. I think my observation was basically in in addition to what you've said is also just how unprepared the officials seemed. Like everyone, just like all the INEC people, the people involved in the process, how unprepared they all seemed across many states. You know, there were places where they reported there wasn't enough of the voting cards. Mm-hmm. I was hearing stories of there was a time when the there was no electricity or generator for the be for the beavers. Was it for the is it the iPads they were using or the beavers machine? I'm not sure what it was. And people had to go and bring their own generator and be like, listen, today by fire by force, we're gonna power this. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I can, I'm gonna that, power this thing. <laughs> maybe that was my highlight, actually. Let, let me go back. You asked me what was my highlight. That energy hey. of being like, no, today is the day. Like we're going to do this thing. Yeah. And and I saw that through yeah several reports, and I think that was really encouraging. But it seems in terms of the numbers of people that were even doing that, it seems it was quite low. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of voting. And I think, yeah, because obviously for me, my observation was mainly in Lagos. Like, the people that I knew and that I was Mm. following were mostly in Lagos. So there were different experiences across different places. Mm. And especially on the island where it seemed like people had a bit more affluency and more money and all that stuff. So there were people who made it their own responsibility to, like, provide snacks, to provide water... All the, the celebrities who came out in their local area uh, mm-hmm. to ensure that things were going well. There were people who... People were just there. There was a presence. And that was really encouraging to see. And there were people who were just like, we're going to stay here today till the very end to count our vote. So seeing at the end of the day, people standing with the INEC official, the INEC official saying, one, they were saying, one, two, <laughs> two, three, three. And they counted and and then they were able to like verify their votes, the level of engagement, I, I would say. But apart from that, I feel like everything started to go downhill after a while. Firstly, with like the Beavers process, with the whole transmission of the results to the INEC, to the portal, mm-hmm. where they were supposed to transmit the results to like numbers not really matching so people had recorded certain numbers in their polling unit and then it wasn't translating to what was on the INEC portal or votes from another state were being counted for another state I think there was a vote in (laughs) somebody I saw on Instagram somebody had videoed they were they were monitoring where the votes were coming in Uh and 
they opened up one state uh-huh. and then they saw a picture of the actual oh. voting card and they said like something like just so for example i can't remember the exact states but it was like anambra and then katsina katsina and it's like <laughs> hold on hold on <laughs> something's not quite adding up here yeah there was even one that i saw on instagram where it was in ibad the on the portal the man was like okay look look go to this local authority come here see and then he opened one of the places in ibado i think it was and there was a picture of a lady in the in the results like when you when you open when you open the the document Mm. it was just a picture of a woman but then there were also places where like you've said there were mixed mixed matching like results together so that did not make sense that automatically started to make people lose confidence in the Mm -hmm. process where like the numbers were not matching and also i think people had a different expectation of how beavers was meant to work right okay and it did not work the way it was meant to work so what was the expectation and then how did it according to my understanding the beavers process is meant to you know it was brought into place to eliminate the whole like necessity for INEC officials to carry the polling cards and whatever's been counted to the collation center where actually from your polling unit you count the number of votes you verify it you then the INEC official in that polling unit will sign it and then take a picture of the polling of the results take a picture and then send it to the INEC portal and then from there then obviously if everyone keeps doing that, then obviously then the numbers are more verified and, and, and that stuff. But that wasn't what was happening. So it seemed like, you know, the, the INEC officials were writing down the number and then, you know, I don't even, I, I can't remember precisely how it was happening now, but it, there was no transmission. There was no automation the way that it was expected to happen. And everybody was just in chaos. Like this is not... Apparently, they'd invested 305 billion naira Hmm. in this whole electoral process and the reform. And people were like, you should have just given this to events planner. They would have planned it. They would have planned it. We'll have small chops, there'll be music, they will have canopy, you know, as in, you know, they will bring a coaster bus. Because apparently, I know officials were arriving in Kakena Pep, they were arriving in all sorts of, you know, there's just so many ways that the whole thing could have just been tampered with, despite Mm. the efforts to to ensure integrity in the process mm-hmm. so people were like next time just give it to to give it to what well, i don't know the company that does the whole big brother niger voting thing <laughs> people were like give it to them stop stop no they, they literally what that was how bad the whole thing was yeah so i mean yeah people were not really happy and i think things started to go downhill but when it then came to actually announcing winners in certain places i think the mm. excitement started to people started getting a bit more excited when peter obi started doing really well because although i knew peter obi was going to have some successes i didn't expect that level of success oh really no i didn't mm. i didn't maybe i was naive i felt a bit more confident i Were was you? I, I wasn't I thought that it would, like, the result in terms of, you know, percentage of the votes that were won, like, it wasn't that surprising to me. I feel as though, yes, he would win and he would get the majority. But in terms of the energy that was behind mm. Peter Obi, I was like, he, 
no, he's 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 gonna get a, a significant number, and so yeah, the the results were yeah they weren't like crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I knew he would get, I knew he would get votes, but I just did not envisage the level or the amounts of votes that he got to the extent mm. that when he won Lagos, like that was a massive victory. Like people were just like, yeah, I think that's he also, won in Tinubu State. Yeah, I thought that that moment there gave me a bit of hope because, you know, Lagos is seen as, I don't know, it's, it's it, if you get Lagos, then wow, maybe you, you, you're getting other states, yeah. you're, you're on a path or it's like a domino effect because it's supposed to be a signifier of perhaps, you know, the, the, the thinking of the nation. I mean, obviously that's not the case (laughs) but yeah when when he when it was announced that he got lagos i was like okay maybe maybe we're doing this maybe we're changing things but but you know in that moment one of my friends posted and said her parents said that oh they just gave it to they gave peter b lagos because there's a bigger plan because he's There's a bigger plan, so you know, they give it to him because at least, and it, in my head, it was hold like, on, what was that supposed to mean? So the bigger, bigger plan, plan is like you know, you, they, yeah, yeah, so they throw him the bone because okay. you know the meat is actually somewhere else where right. they need that. So for Bolatinubu, it's like oh, he doesn't care, he doesn't need it, he doesn't need it because he, he knows because it's his turn. Exactly. So he's mm. going to. So they were like, oh, that's just a distraction. This whole mm. like Peter will be winning in Lagos and and I was like, okay, but then he then won in Abuja, the federal yeah, capital. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why it makes me think. Well, there's a high concentration though of people in those in those areas mm-hmm. <clears throat> who are typically probably more educated, wealthier, who actually, you know, <sighs> how to break down the, the voters <laughs> in in Nigeria, like, because they're more educated. Like the elite, would you yeah, say? Yeah, I suppose, you know, the quote-unquote middle class, if you will. Yeah. They, they probably feel or probably saw or anticipated perhaps changes within our grasp. Yeah. And... Um, they thought, okay, maybe there's a there's a change in this Obi man. He seems like he seems sensible. Yeah, he seems like a sensible choice. Yeah, you know, based on what we've experienced. So yeah, him getting those places that wasn't a surprise to me because I feel as though they still fit the demographic of the type of people who were supporting Obi during the and I think it's probably campaign. reflective of the demographic you have online. Yes. Do yes. You know what I mean? yes. So yes. I think it's reflective of that where those people are probably the loudest voices on Instagram mm. and Twitter mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, so he won there and And I think that can be really misleading mm. if if where you're getting your political commentary or your understanding um or your your so called truth of how things will play out, if it's it's purely like online and in and you're getting your information from publications or certain actors within that realm that are also, you know, of that that middle class background, they're tech bros, they're in the startup entrepreneur yeah. space, they've been able to raise funds, etc. Like a lot of people that I would follow on Twitter who do seem to have like influence in that space, that's the source of stock 
that they yeah. come from and you have to, I have to be really intentional being like this is like a, an echo chamber and yeah. it's not necessarily reflective of the broader base yeah 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 no definitely yeah so in terms of winning so it'd be one lagos he won the federal capital and then that was when people started shouting rigging because then when he then started to lose in other places it seemed like there was an expectation that <laughs> a lot of the obedience kind of felt like he was meant to win every state so mm. when they now announced another state and he wasn't winning they, they were shouting rigging and people were like yeah but when he won lagos nobody was shouting rigging mm. when he won abuja nobody was shouting rigging so yes there might have been an expectation for him to win but can you just take a moment to acknowledge the level of success that he's actually experiencing right now mm. in that he i think he won 12 states mm. he won 12 states and his party actually unseated some veterans, like some, you know, poli poor veteran politicians, people mm. who had been in power for a very long time. They were unseating them, I think, in Anambra, in, even in, in some parts of Lagos, <laughs> there was collateral damage because mm. people, there was a point where people were not even caring who they were voting for as long as his Labour Party so I'll give you an example. In Lagos, in the Etiosa, I think it's a part in, in Lagos Island. This is, you know who Banky W? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Banky W in this election was also for opposition in the local government as a local, I think as a representative in his constituency. So he'd been campaigning for, he's part of the PDP party. He'd been campaigning and all that stuff. And there was a level of expectation that he was going to win based on this campaign and the backing, obviously being a celebrity, there was a lot of his like celebrity people there as well in that area. And people were anti-APC at this point. So it was like, if it's not APC... Because nobody knew who the Labour Party candidate was. Right. Okay. So, because they thought, well, they're not going to guess it. Because they thought they were not going to get it. Guess who won? The Labour guy. Everyone was like, who is... People were like, who is... Who? Like, who <laughs> what? What's his name? Who, yeah. who is he? He's like... When you underestimate. When you underestimate. And it was that point... It, it got into that point where people did not even care... Well, I wouldn't say across the country, but for that, like in certain areas, they just did not care who he was. It's just like, as long as it's Labour Party, I'm voting for mm. Labour Party. And so that was how Bankers of You did not <laughs> And uh, what's the name? I forgot the name of the guy who won. When they put his picture online, people were just like, when, when Grace wants to follow you, <laughs> when the mercies of God want to follow, when favor wants to abide with you, <laughs> this is the process. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, Labour Party, had, I feel like the success that Labour Party achieved in this election should not be underestimated. Because I know that a lot of obedience are sort of discouraged, Nubuwan and stuff, but... When you compare, when you come, but when you compare, because I was saying to somebody recently, I said, when you compare someone like Peter Obi to Shaware, mm -hmm. do you know how long Shaware has been trying to be a viable third option mm. for presidency? And in all the years that Shaware has been doing opposition, he mm. has not come remotely close. And obviously, it's a bit different because Peter Obi has been; he was a one-time governor, so he has rep he has reputation and he has. Background. he has history to to go with but just comparing them and thinking actually this person has come and he is actually a worthy opposition 
and he has won 12 states. And when you compare the numbers between himself and the PDP candidate, Atikwa Abubakar, they're not really that far off. They were both yeah. 6 million and something. It was just yeah. a few hundred thousand votes behind Abubakar. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I'm, like, I'm impressed. I am impressed. I'm totally impressed. I'm impressed. And, you know, honourable minister for our man, Abubakar, his... It's time to retire. I Thank don't you. know how, what, what number this is in terms of his attempts at... Number four. Is it number four? I think so. He's been yeah. trying for too long. He needs He's to retire. Even <laughs> somebody, one of his politician mates, I can't remember. It was it Dino Malai or some. Oh, I can't remember. They were just like, yeah, there's no hope for you again. He's seventy eight. By the time the next election comes around, it's gonna be eighty two. I mean, well, I don't want to be, said, be an ageist. I know, like American no. presidents are like. I yeah, to know. be honest, when it comes to age, I'm not too. I don't think that. T- t- that's not a det- it doesn't seem to be a deterrent to people oh, for But it for just voting. needs to be arrest. Let's no, but the people don't want him, so... Yeah, people don't sadly, want him. Yeah, people I mean, don't want him. that's the reality. And I feel like the next election is going to be between Liberal Party and APC. You think so? Well, well let's see. Let's Do you know, see. the next election in 2000 and... What are we now? 2000 and what? 4, Maybe 2027. 2027 is the next election in another four years because oh, okay. APC is probably going to win again because when you're already like a sitting part when your party is currently in government you, it's like you have to have that two mandatory terms so they're probably going to win again but I feel like it's going to be between APC and the Labour Party well I think there needs to be some analysis on that because I, I suppose who else from yeah who else will come up then through the PDP to Mm. and I think that's what you need to see we need to see true we need okay. to see that because there will be a new vanguard right yeah. well, in, within well I said well, vanguard maybe that's vanguard. Too, too much that's a revolutionary <laughs> language maybe I shouldn't give that to them but there will be they, they're gonna have to nominate somebody somebody's going to have to be seen yeah to be the the suitable candidate and yeah. Who knows? There might be there might be someone that so that's something that unless by like to some monitor. some you know some miracle they bring a new candidate that wins the heart of the people and is able to is able to exceed the expect you know the people's expectations and all of that stuff then yeah but otherwise but this is what the Labour Party now needs to do because yeah. there is now I would say there is a real opportunity to over this next two terms let's assume it's two terms to really build meaningful and like deepen the roots that have been like planted with the obedient army etc i think with with what has been shown yeah and if you if you can capture the capital and you can capture I'm saying it like it's some Hunger Games novel. If you can capture the the capital, Lagos, at these significant states where important people reside, influential yeah. people reside, that is significant and not to be ignored. And that momentum and that capital, as in, you know, actual political capital, yeah, shouldn't be wasted. Yeah. And I think he's already doing that because in Abuja, I believe one of his party members won a seat. Is it in the Senate or something? I, I can't remember now. One of his party when I say, and even now in Lagos State itself, the next governorship election, gubernatorial election, the Labour Party. Have you heard about the Labour Party candidate for Lagos? 
Badebo Viva, I don't know how you say his name, Viva, Viva Road. He, now, nah, this is where we need to come into the tribal. There's a lot, a lot has been going on in Nigeria's <laughs> political climate. I'm telling you, he's now a viable candidate for the Lagos governorship election to the extent that he's giving the current governor a run for his money. Now, the current governor was currently, well, up until now, had not really been, you know, because he kind of felt like, oh, second term, he's going to win it. It wasn't really putting energy into the campaign. Now that this Badebo guy came out and went Obi won Lagos, this current governor Songwelu is everywhere shaking hands, going to markets, going to hospital. At every point, people were like, "Oh, so you can? <laughs> <laughs> so now you know we exist, huh?" <laughs> but yeah, so you know they give they're really giving people a run for their money, mm-hmm. and so I feel like if they just remain consistent and they actually solidify their ideology, what their party stands for, because also the temptation is that there's going to be infiltration. I feel like there's a temptation for like, they need to be really mindful of the, of their membership, the makeup of their, the makeup of their membership, the kind of people they're allowing into their membership, you know, the ideologies of these people so that it doesn't just become again, like, you know, they might have like a PDP candidate now say, oh, actually, I'm going to leave PDP. I'm not going to go to Labour Party. Mm-hmm. So that over time, before you know it, there's no difference between Labour Party and PDP anymore. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. So the, I feel like they need to be really mindful and they need to really establish what they stand for and, and make sure that every member of that party is in line, in line with that. But yeah, I, I see no reason why he wouldn't be president in the next eight years. He's currently contesting this election in court. Yeah. I don't know how successful that is wow. going to be. eight years. That's a, but you actually think that he'll be president in eight years? I don't think it's impossible, you know, because do you know what? Even the... You know, even it's just the, that's a long time in politics, man. And so for me... <laughs> well, you think the next four years? I don't think no. he'll win the next four no, years. No, I don't think he'll win the next four years. I mean... I, you know what, I guess for me, I'm when I hear eight years, I'm like, I'm not even going to bother making a prediction because mm. I th- I just think it's 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 too far off. So much can change. And I feel, I feel as though so many things are unpredictable. And and also the fact that the, the vote, the actual votes that happened, that were counted, mm. right? The number of votes that took place, 93 million or so, 90 plus 90 million plus registered registered to vote and only 25 million nigerians actually voted that's 27 percent of the electorate and that's that is that is really shocking i i I, i'm really shocked by that number especially when during the campaign it felt like wow this is this is the most engaged that the electorate has been. So much passion, energy has been infused. So many new people had decided to go and register. And then you see that number and you can only think, well, what's, well, we've, we've spoken about some of the issues. Yeah. People you know, who couldn't vote. There were people who couldn't vote. vote. They couldn't vote, yeah. But, I mean, does that account for the the seventy something? But I guess he also makes you question the figures, right? Like numbers don't lie, or do they? You know, like were there actually ninety three million registered voters? 
you know, those out of those ninety three million registered voters, were they actually eligible vote eligible? But in terms, so I can't remember the figure, but still, the 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 number of new voters, yeah, right, is is what was making that ninety million plus so impressive mm. because there were so many new people that voted. Yeah, so there seems to be a discrepancy there. Yeah, that, that is, <laughs> it's not like making sense to me. It, it, I find it shocking. So. I think there's a lot to do. Well, there could be ghosts. Yeah, because it calls to question. It calls to question the integrity of those ninety-three million vote, registered voters. Because I've heard people say, well, there were children who were even registered. What? Like in the northern part of Nigeria, for example, there were you know there were children who were coming out to vote with voters' cards. You know, there were people who probably should not be registered who were registered. And out of the ninety-three million who were registered, eighty-three million, I believe, actually had their voters' card. Mm. And then of that 83 million who had the voters card, 25 something million, I think, came out to vote. Yeah. So, yeah. Or actually voted. Or actually voted. Yeah, yeah, voted. And then we think of how many millions who couldn't actually vote because of the incompetency of the INEC on the day of the election. Yeah. So, but even at that, the reason why I, I can envisage Peter Obi becoming or winning the presidency in the next eight years the margin was so low this time around that I feel like if there was no rigging as is suspected, because how, how did, how many number, how many figures did we win by? Two million. That's not a lot when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Tinubu had eight million and something votes. Bitobi had six million. I mean, yeah. I just feel like it's quite possible that that figure could easily double in the next eight years and also because people were shouting one of the things that one of the impediments that people envisaged for Peter being in this election was structure they were saying oh Labour Party has no structure you know the kind of like systems you need in place for the days of election for you know your offices in this place for your campaign for this for that and to think that with the lack of structure in quotes that mm. you're supposed to have that he was able to get that many voters now think of what's going to happen in the next eight years when he actually has more structures. He now has more people in the House of Rep. He has more people in the Senate. He probably by that time would have more people in his party being governors. He would have more influence overall. I think, yeah, I think it's quite possible. So this election has been quite interesting to say the least. And I think it's been a very significant one in Nigeria's election history. history. And... For those who are despondent about Peter Obi not winning, my word of advice is, you know, it's actually been a huge success for him in the grand scheme of things and considering the landscape, you know, the political landscape that he came into. And you can only just continue working hard and preparing yourself, preparing, you know, preparing for the harvest, as it were. <laughs> what is religious language, yeah, that we use it on this The board. harvest is coming. <laughs> You've got to prepare, yeah. So, but yeah, any, any final words? I think my final thoughts or my interim thoughts, because I'm sure there will be something else in between our seasons of this <laughs> pod, is that, I don't, where does one, where does one, how does one respond to this? I think, I think feel the emotions, feel the disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and like work through that but remember it mm. don't forget it 
lest it be the motivation for the next election and the one after that. And so let this disappointment be the grit, the motivation that takes one through to the next the next opportunity that you can go to the ballot box. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm thinking about, you know, the the real impacts that is needed and remembering that sadly change is often slow. Yeah. And so having that sober view of 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 change, of progress but knowing that it can happen and it does happen and this election is evidence. Yeah. Even with this low voter turnout, mm-hmm. which actually on one side is actually quite impressive. If if it's 25 million and, and Mr. Obi got Lagos and Abuja. Yeah. That is actually something. It is, definitely. It's really something. So I say, yeah, keep that grit. Power to the people. <laughs> No, honestly, power to the people. Because I think for me to round up, I would say don't underestimate the power that you have as individual citizens, as an individual citizen and as a collective to to effect the change that you want. Because they're trying to take you for granted, right? They underestimated what was going to happen. None of them saw Peter Obi coming this close. I don't think they did. And even many politicians themselves have come out to say, wow, we underestimated Peter Obi, given that his first time running for you know for office and all that stuff. So let this be an indication of the amount of power that you you have as a as a as an individual and even as a people as a collective with an ideology of what you want Nigeria to be. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And when the next election comes, wield that power again and let it speak to the people in authority that if they don't fix up, you're going to, you're going to, and actually, do you know what? It doesn't even have to be to the next election. Cause I believe there is a process of like calling out people you've voted into office if they're not performing. So like your local rep, the chairman, the Senate, all of these people, there's actually a process of like withdrawing them from their seats because they're there to serve you as a citizen of Nigeria. And if they're not doing their job, continue to engage with the process, continue to engage with the political, um, with the political landscape and continue to educate yourself as well and that's the only way change is going to happen it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to be handed to anybody on a platter of gold you have to fight for it and you have to yeah you have to do what you need to do come with the energy of of mr tinubu and say it is my turn Uh, (laughs) (laughs) come with that energy yeah come with that energy in like in the small moments, yeah. you know, like you're right. In the small moments, in the small moments, because small drops makes an ocean. Is yeah. that the word? Yeah, yeah. And that's really it. Don't wait for the big moments, the small things, the small moments. Yeah. But well done to Nigerians, man. Honestly, and well done to the Nigerian youths. They really, yeah, they've done it, man. They've done it this time. They, they, yeah, they, they've shown, yeah, real tenacity. They've been a vision of hope, and yeah. One step at a time, one moment at a time, surely the glory will shine. Hey! hey! <laughs> come on! Hey, come, come on! on. <laughs> come on! <laughs> but yeah, guys, so is this our last episode of this season? It's our last episode of the season. Oh, yeah. It's been, yeah, 
up and down with this one in terms of just what we've been covering. I hope they will cook something up interesting for the next one. So yeah, thanks Maybe for the guys can let us know what they would like our next season to be about. Yes, yes. Let us know. We're interested in hearing from you. We're really grateful to our new followers, our Honestly, new listeners. Yeah. You know, we've got a, a spread mostly like in the US, UK and Nigeria. Yeah. So we realise that more people are listening into the pod and we really obviously it's, it's us too on yeah. this podcast but this is about promoting and provoking conversation for all of us to participate and contribute to so do reach out to us on social media or email and all of that all of those details will be in the show notes yeah you'll know where to find us on Instagram um yeah yeah, but I've really enjoyed this season, man. It's been great, and we've had a lot of we've had a lot of engagement in terms of listeners and and stuff. And yeah, we've just rounded up this episode this season by talking about the elections and our views. And hopefully, you guys can, as Evelyn have said, let us know what you think. Continue to support us and uh, wait for the next season. Yeah. So until then, folks. Until then. Bye. Ciao.